Welcome to SickCast, brought to you by Sick Research Institute, illuminating every path. Hello, Guru Fateh. Welcome to the SickCast. My name is Manpreet Singh. Thank you for being with us. Today's topic is going to be on Sikh history in Afghanistan. And with me, I have Pritpal Singh. Pritpal, Guru Fateh, thanks for being here to talk about this timely topic. Uh, Manpreet Waigurji ka khalsa, Waigurji ki Fateh, thanks for having me. So, Pritpal, it's been a long time since you've been on this podcast. Uh, just so the listeners know who you are, what you do, please uh, reintroduce yourself and then we'll get into today's uh, topic. Sure. Uh, my name is Pritpal Singh. I'm a, a physician by training, but my real passion lies in history and education. And uh, so today we're going to discuss Sikh history in Afghanistan. Great, great. So, as you know, there was an attack in Kabul on a Sikh Gurdwara, and so that's why we're dis- we want to discuss Afghanistan today and the tragedy that happened there. And uh, just to get the listeners familiar with why Afghanistan is important to Sikh history, and Sikhs all around the world should pay attention to this. Uh, so, Prithpal, uh, let's start. Let's start with the Sikh history. Please take it away. Yeah, the, the attack uh, as you know, it took place um, several days ago, uh, killed 25 people in the Gurdwara. Uh, and, and then when the cremation was going on the following day, there was a, another follow-up attack. So uh, we have to look into the history. Why did this happen? Um, this is not the first time. This happened in 2018 as well and to understand the political ramifications, uh, how it impacts the Sikhs, not just the Sikhs, but also the Hindu community, which is affected in Afghanistan. Uh, we need to have a better historical background for this. Um, the Sikh history in Afghanistan really starts with Guru Nanak. Uh, Guru Nanak Sahib actually visited uh, uh, Afghanistan as part of one of his Odasis. And there actually, we know this because there's actually a Gurdwara in Jalalabad, which is a city in eastern Afghanistan. Um, it, you, there used to be two there. Actually, there were multiple Gurdwaras in Afghanistan. There were eight in Kabul. Uh, right now, we, there's only one that's actually uh, uh, in, in use. Uh, others have been abandoned. Um, the Sikh uh, population overall, there's about there were about fifty thousand Sikhs in eighties and uh, um, early nineties in Afghanistan. Now we are left with uh, several hundred. Um, most of them used to live in Jalalabad, uh, Ghazni, Kabul, Kandahar. They the and depending on where they are in Afghanistan, they spoke different languages. Uh, most common one being Pashto, but uh, some spoke Dari, uh, some spoke Hindiko. Um, they all, or, or some of them also know uh, a version of Punjabi, uh, but they are, most of them are very well literate in Gurmukhi. So they're able to read Gurbani, recite Gurbani. Most folks, uh, were in business and in trade. Uh, I'm giving a recap of what uh, Sikh population was like prior to this exodus in the last uh, 30 years or so. Um, so 
Um, as far as where did it start? It started with Guru Nanak. Uh, Guru Nanak stopped there. Uh, Guru Nanak interacted with um, the locals. Um, actually, before even I start where it started, I would want to know why it's important to study. Uh, why is it important to study the Sikh history in, in Afghanistan? And the reason is, if you think Guru Nanak is important with Sikhi, it's very important to know Sikh history in Afghanistan because wherever Guru Nanak went, he inspired people, he connected people. He himself was asked, why do you go on these travels and who's your guru? And he said, my guru is Shabad, and I'm traveling to seek the company of Gursikhs. Uh, so he met people in Afghanistan. People were transformed by him. They, after he left, they recorded his teachings, the Shabads, which inspired multiple people. And after Guru Nanak, we have documentations in the later Guru period and post-Guru period of the six masses just growing in size and actually contributing to Afghanistan and South Asia culture and commerce. Wow, that is good to know. I, I'm sure a lot of listeners didn't know that. So then Guru Nanak, so you're saying Guru Nanak actually visited and people and talked to the people of Afghanistan. Absolutely. Absolutely. There is a Gurdwara in Jalalabad. If you talk to the uh, locals, they will very, very passionately talk about how Guru Nanak's message uh, transformed their lives um, and how they became better human beings. So then what, so he most likely went on one of his udasis there. Mm -hmm. And so what else, what else do we know that uh, what gurus did and how do we know this, by the way? Well, we know this because uh, uh, we have uh, uh, we have monuments which are attributed to Guru Nanak. Uh, we have a lot of our history is oral history, but we also have written documentation. So um, we after Guru Nanak, um, what we find is there's a writing called Mahima Prakash written around 1776. It's a manuscript written um, by Sarup Daspala, who's actually a, a descendant of the third nana, Guru Amar Das Padshah. In it, he gives two references. One, it says, uh, for Kabul Wali Mai, which means lady from Kabul. Uh, and he talks about her doing seva at the step well, which is Bali at Goindwal Saab. So, that means he's actually documenting that there was a lady from Kabul, a Sikh woman who came at go to Goindwal Sahib, which was a center created by Guru Amar Das Sahib to do seva there. And he also mentions Bibi Pago, who's in charge of the Manji at Kabul. Manji again is a system created by Guru Amar Das Padshah about political uh, and religious divisions uh, uh, in or South Asia. And he mentions that lady who's in charge is Bibi Pago. Although I must say at Gurdwara Haveli Sahib in Goidwal, the, the inscription that's written there is, it says, my seva. The point here is 
it doesn't matter if it was two different women or if it was one woman with two different names. Point is, we had we had one of the imagine twenty two states and one of independent states and one of the ambassadors. Actually, three of the ambassadors were women. One of them who was a woman in Kabul, which is incredible, because if you think about what women's uh, positions, what they hold in our community today, which which is would be very different than what Guru Amar Das time, which is 400 years ago. So it's in early 16th century. We are we we have examples of gender uh, uh, equality and equity, which our gurus um, uh, illustrated in their behavior, in their decision-making process, and we still. Our community still fights over these uh, gender issues. And Guru Amar Dasji, on purpose, most likely, uh, did appoint a woman because they were fighting the Taliban of that time. No, oh, it's crazy. Uh, I mean, uh, we we talk about uh, uh, the vision of the gurus is just incredible, and especially Guru Amar Das Pasha, the social changes he brought about were incredible, and. He point is he gave that um, position to the most deserved individual who happens to be a woman. He did not look at any background or uh, anything else. And Bibi Pago did that. And Kabul Wali Mai came from Kabul and went to Goindwal Saab, which is a very long journey. So that tells you that the, during the times of gurus, there was a lot of commerce, there was a lot of interaction. And part of that is because when Babur came and he conquered uh, Punjab and North India, uh, in 1504, he took over Kabul. In 1526, he took over North India. So basically, Kabul and North India were one under one dynasty, Mughal dynasty, uh, until about um, 1738 when the Persian ruled Nadir Shah took over. So during, because they were connected, ruled by one Mughal dynasty, there was a lot of interaction between Afghanistan, India, Punjab. There was a lot of commerce. There was a lot of traveling. Got it. Wow. And so what other gurus uh, went there? Did anyone else other than Guru Nanak? Um, yes. Um, I do want to make one more reference to Guru Nanak. In uh, uh, Guru Nanak Pasha talks about in his Shabad, uh, which we probably call Babur Vani, that, that uh, Babur actually came from Khorasan. Uh, Khorasan is a area, large area, which encompasses today's Afghanistan, uh, certain parts of Iran, uh, Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan, Tajikistan. It includes about six countries. And then he says he came to uh, um, Hindustan. So, and after Guru Nanak um, and Guru Amardas Pasha's time, 
Then we have Professor Ganda Singh writes that there was a Baba Ganjbaksh, who was an Udasi Sadhu, who actually, again, was transformed by the power of the Shabad, the message of the Shabad at the time of Guru Amar Das. And he became a Sikh. And Guru Amar Das Patshah actually made him sort of a leader of that area. And his followers became followers of Ganj Bakshaye. And we know this because there's a Gurdwara in Kabul, which uh, commemorates that. So again, we have not just oral history, written documentation, but we have monuments which attribute to the the growing of the six in numbers uh, during Guru period. Another uh, another example would be at Guru Arjan's time um, when Pai Gurdas was writing his vara. Pai Gurdas actually uh, records the names of two six of Kabul. One is Pai Rik Rao and Pai uh, Panna Malla, Pai, Pai Panna Malla. And these um, two residents of Kabul, again, they are Afghans. They are the natives of the land. They become Sikhs. And they uh, actually looked after the stores of local chief and by Mani Singh, as most people know, uh, who's one of our great martyrs, he writes in his Sikhandi uh, Pagatmala, which is written around 1720, that these two individuals, and they were, accusations came against them that they were uh, misappropriating funds and the provisions and the shops and the, the weighing scale they were using was not accurate, and but he says that when investigating occurred, uh, when they checked the the way the weights, they were accurate, and the guru saved them. So the point is, we have cross referencing from Pai Gurdas and also um, um, from Pai Mani Singh, uh, which talks about the growth of Sikh population uh, in Afghanistan. There's also a uh, Gurdwara Pipli Sahib, which is a mile and a half away from Harmandar Sahib in Amritsar, where, uh, where uh, history in indicates that when the Sangat came from Afghanistan to build, help build four sarovars of Amritsar, Guru Arjun actually went there to meet them. So Gurdwara was established there. So that tells that there is a, from the time of Guru Nanak to the time of Guru Arjan, there was an explosion of Sikh population in Afghanistan, especially Kabul. I have many more examples. Are you interested in learning more? Yeah, yeah, please. So let's look at some non-Sikh references. Um, there is... Um, there's a Persian manuscript uh, called Dabistan e Mazahib by a Zoroastrian priest whose name is Zulfikar Ardastani, um, who actually traveled in Central Asia uh, in, and came to Punjab and also North India. And he has 
he claims that he met in his writing, he documents he actually met the sixth and seventh Nanaks of Guru Hargobind Padshah and Guru uh, Harai Padshah. And in it, he has a chapter on Nanak Panthis. Nanak Panthis, again, Panth means the way, the path. So this is the path of followers of Guru Nanak. He mentions Paisad, who lived near Balkh. Balkh is a city in Afghanistan. And the reason this is important is because he actually talks about Paisad's behavior. And I quote, he says, Paisad is a person who does not become elated by joy and depressed by sorrows. So he's saying by essentially that Paisad is a person who's living the life of Sahaj. He's not carried away by emotion. He, he actually is, as Guru Tegbadar says in his Bani, you know, he's a Gyani. He's not swayed. He is, he's very, uh, you know, grounded in his behavior. So this becomes important because this talks about the behavior of six, uh, and this one happens to be Paisad uh, um, from Afghanistan. Um, another uh, story, which uh, actually is a, um, with Lara, I think six would know, um, from uh, a manuscript called Gurbilas Padshahi Chemi, which is written early seventeen, early eighteenth century. There is a Pai Karori who's a horse dealer in Kabul. Uh, who sent two horses named Dilbag and Gulbag to Guru Hargobind Padshah. And uh, as they, they were bring, he was bringing them, there's Pai Tarachand. He sent it with Pai Tarachand and Pai Pagatmal, who were Muslims from Kabul. They were traveling to give it to Guru Hargobind Padshah in Kiratpur in Punjab. But on the way, Lahore, the Fazdar of Lahore, he, he grabbed them from them. And of course, we know uh that uh by Bidhi Chand brought them back uh, and there the the uh uh there's a lot of uh uh geets which are sung um, um uh, uh for for his bravery so um in also um there's the 18th century manuscript called Mahima Prakash where by Gonda uh was sent by Guru Harai Padshah to Kabul. So here now you have Guru Harai Padshah sending one of his Gursikhs to Kabul to set up a Taramsal. Uh, so they so there could be uh, uh, there could be education center in Kabul for um, uh, to uh, uh, further the message of Gurbani. Uh, Professor Hariram Gupta talks about Duni Chand from Kabul. Who was who? Who actually sent an awesome, beautiful, very expensive tent to Guru Gobind Padshah in nineteen sorry in sixteen eighty eight or sixteen eighty nine to hold a darbar? So a lot of references. As I was researching this, it shows that because during this time there were not a lot of attacks. It was both Punjab and Kabul were essentially one. 
They were controlled by Mughal dynasty. There was a lot of interactions uh, and the Sikh uh, masses increased in number and uh, uh, gurus were able to, you know, uh, spread the message of love during that time. You know, this tells me that the same love and the same inspiration that you get with Gurbani and the gurus, if you're in India or you're in Afghanistan, it's the same. The person is the same. Like you, like it doesn't matter where it was from. The guru touched you, the guru inspired you, and you will rise and give your head for that guru no matter where you're from. Well, that is the beauty of the guru. Uh, because uh, the greatness of the guru is that guru connects you, uh, inspires you, guru connects you, uh, no matter where you're at. And that's why Shabbat is so unique that it, it talks to an individual on the level the individual can connect to. And that's why the message of the Shabbat is timeless. Um, so it doesn't matter if it's Afghanistan, uh, if it doesn't matter if we're sitting in the West, it doesn't matter if it was 500 years ago or now. And, and, and it's, it's not coincidence that Guru Nanak Patsha, he attributes that his inspiration, his Guru is Shabbat itself. So uh, the idea that from Guru Nanak to Guru Gobind Padsha, and then Guru Gobind Padsha giving Guruship to Guru Granth and Guru Panth, it comes back to the Shabad. Unless the Shabad is not, if the Shabad is not there if, uh, in a sixth life, then that sixth life is not worth living. Uh, there is no inspiration. So I agree with you, Manpreet. Uh, Shabad is very powerful. And it's the power of the Shabbat that that um, just brings about the change in the individual. And obviously, if enough individuals do that, it brings about a change in masses. So let's talk about, you know, the changes that happen in individuals and maybe some famous uh, Afghani Sikhs. And sure. talk about the post-Guru period a little. So post-Guru period, what happens is... Um, after Aurangzeb, the the um, the Mughal dynasty short becomes weak, try dies out. Seventeen thirty eight, there's chaos. Nadir Shah invades from uh, uh, invades and takes over Kabul and runs over you know Punjab all the way to Delhi. Uh, and every other year, there's change of administration. It's very chaotic. And this is the time Sikhs are hunted and they're constantly best surviving in survival mode. This is where your Holocaust occur, Padakalukara, Chodakalukara. Um, and basically from until um, um, uh, 1765, Sikhs are in, in battle. 1765, essentially Sikhs capture power all over Punjab. And um, one of the missiles are in control of all over Punjab, basically from everywhere between Delhi to uh, the river, uh, um, Sindh River, Indus River. And then Ranjit Singh eventually takes over all of Punjab. And then Hari Singh Nalua actually takes a battle to the Pathans and crosses the river and go, goes and takes over uh, Peshawar, which totally changes the dynamics. Now Afghanistan, the, the warlords there, they're, they're actually 
worried that he's actually going to come and reach Kabul, essentially. Um, so British at the time are uh, gaining power in India uh, and they reach, they have a treaty with Ranjit Singh. And it becomes interesting because at that time, the, the king of Afghanistan actually wants to have a treaty with Ranjit Singh also. So they, um, towards the end, get a little soft because what they both perceive is eventual takeover everything by British. And this is very evident. You know, Sikhs and Afghans have a very brutal history, a lot of wars. But I could find one example where they actually were on the same side, and it's the last battle, Battle of Gujarat in 1849, where uh, it's six versus the British. Uh, and Dost Muhammad, who is sympathetic to the Sikh cause because he sees Punjab is about to be overtaken by uh, British. And he knows if Punjab is going down, Afghanistan is next. So he actually sends... Uh, some of his mercenaries and some of irregulars to support the Sikhs. But as we know that uh, through the treachery of Drogra brothers, uh, the British are victorious. Uh, and then what you have in Afghanistan is, is the Russia and um, Britain, they fight over the control and essentially they establish Afghanistan as a buffer state between the two empires. You want to know some of the famous six? Uh, um, so the first time I could find Amritsar took place in uh, um, in Afghanistan was in a city called Lalpur in 1920. There was a Khalsa Divan Afghanistan organization was created in 1921 because the numbers were increasing of uh, Amritsari six. Akali Kaur Singh gave his support to that. A lot of... Uh, Students of Sikhi would know him. There was a Sikh education conference held in 1933 where Khan Singh Naba actually went and attended. Ghadar Party in 1915, actually, they formed their government in exile of Hindustan in Kabul because Hindustan, they were outlawed. So there was a, uh, there, there was a government exile in, in, in Kabul in 1915. Um, in 1925, Mangal Singh Bedi, who's a descendant of Guru Nanak, he participated in, uh, in a Loya Jirga, which is the parliament of Afghanistan. And there are multiple folks here. Uh, um, Gyani Nihal Singh, Afif, he was born in Banu, which is a northwest frontier province, which is technically part of Pakistan. So what happened in 1947 was Punjab was partitioned. And most, if not all, six came over to Indian side, East Punjab. But the folks that were living in Pashtun areas, some of them actually went, they, some of them stayed there, but some of them actually went over to, they didn't want to stay in Pakistan, so they went over to Afghanistan. So the, so the Sikh population actually saw a little bit of bump in Afghanistan after 1947. Again, these are not Punjabi Sikhs. These are Pashtun Sikhs. Uh, Patan Sikhs. And this guy was one of them. He actually taught English, Gurmukhi, and Farsi and translated a lot of Bani into Farsi, actually. That's his probably greatest contribution. 
Um, and then we had a, we have had members of parliament in Afghanistan who are six. Jas Singh Fani being a social activist and businessman, businessman in 1969, and uh, and of course today, um, in recent history, a lot, a lot of folks have, might have heard of Anar Kalikar. She is a member of Afghan Independent Human Rights Commission and a former MP, uh, who's a very uh, famous Afghan six. Um, and we were talking a little about before before we got on this uh, podcast, a very famous one, Guru Gobind Singh's time, <laughs> which I didn't know until you told me. <laughs> yeah, yes, uh, and we have yet to talk about him. Um, probably the most, at least to me, the most um, famous, the most inspirational, the most. Um, poetic Afghan Sikh we have is by Nandlal Goa. He was born in Ghazni, which is in South Central Afghanistan. Uh, it used to be a, uh, it's at the heart of Taliban territory. Uh, in fact, um, uh, there is, um, there are no more Hindus left there. Uh, there are no more Sikhs left there now. Uh, only Sikhs left are in Kabul. Um, but he was born in Ghazni to Hindu parents, actually. He became a, and his father was the, was the chief secretary of the governor of Ghazni, which means he was, he was Amir Munshi. Um, and he was very gifted in poetry and in, in, in art and science and, um, he, after serving his time there, he, the governor of, of Ghazni saw his talent and he said, you need to go to a bigger place. So he sent him to Multan and there he got by, uh, there by Nandlal actually got married to a sick woman. And it is the inspiration he got from her uh, that the love she showed him with uh, Guru Shabad is what inspired him. Whereas Multan uh, was a big city, but he was this guy was so talented by Nandlal that even the governor Multan said, "You know, you need to go to deliver Aurangzeb's because your talent is needs to be heard by more people than all of South Asia, all of the world." But before going to Delhi, he stopped by Anandpur Sahib. And when he stopped, he never left. <laughs> because he was just so taken, uh, he was just, just his, and he talks about by Nandlal in his writings, which are mostly in Persian with some Arabic. Uh, some are in Punjabi, but mostly it's Persian, Arabic. And it, it's really intoxicating. So those of you who want to know what Guru Govind Pacha was like, Read his translations. His translations in English are so deadly. I can only imagine how profound they would be in Persian and Arabic. And he talks about the physical beauty of Guru Gobind Shab. He talks about how one strand of hair of Guru Gobind Shab is more powerful than the rest of the world. He talks about Kudrat. 
he talks about how all the gurus are one in spirit. Uh, it is, a lot of them are guzzles, um, which it's unfortunate most Sikhs don't know Persian. Uh, uh, I, 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 I encourage more people to read his writing. In my opinion, he's the most famous Afghan Sikhs. And yeah, by the way, stay with Guru Gobind Sahib. Uh, until Guru Gobind Pasha's Shahadat, and then he went back to Multan. So those of you who want to be inspired, who are poetry lovers, just Google it and read it. Multiple uh, English translations are available online. Yeah, it just goes to show you another person from Afghanistan who was inspired, and uh, the source was the Shabad, and met Guru Gobind Singh just became one of his biggest lovers and one of the few people who are recited in Gudwara today. So yeah, it's very powerful, very powerful. It's so powerful that Guru, uh, Guru Pant uh, has given Pai Nandlal writings uh, uh, that, that they can be sung in form of Kirtan. There are only two people. Outside Gurbani, there's only two writings which can be sung in form of Kirtan, according to Pantigrat Mearada. It's by Gurdas's Vara, and by Nandlal's Ghazla. And they are intoxicating and amazing to look how it transpired. It's because his wife introduced him to Guru. And uh, when we think of Afghanistan, what comes to mind? It comes to mind guns, you know, terrorism, violence. And here is this guy writing beautiful poetry. So it, it this is what Shabbat does. If you connect with the Guru, it inspires you. It brings out these virtues in you that you never knew you had. Or if you if you had them, you chisel them better, better towards upliftment of humanity. No, you're right. You're right. Very well said. You know, and now with the current situation in Afghanistan, what happened? You know, our heart our hearts go out to everyone. And even while I'm doing this podcast, I'm just thinking it's the Shabad. It's these, these six were in Gurdwara singing the same Shabads, reciting the same Gurbani that all six all over the world do. And that is what connects us. That's what um, makes us emotional, at least me emotional, thinking about it, about what happened there, uh, because they're just the same Guru lovers that uh, we are. And it's so sad. So... Now, when the current situation, everyone knows, I don't know if you have any uh, updates. I know you kind of mentioned that uh, even during the cremation ceremony, it was attacked. So mm -hmm. let's talk, let's um, talk about uh, the current situation and then talk about maybe some solutions and uh, we'll end the podcast yeah. on that. So the reason, you know, the Sikh, the, 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 the Afghan Sikh community was thriving. And not just the Sikh, the Hindu, Afghan Hindu population was thriving as well. Sikhs and Hindus, they go hand in hand uh, in Afghanistan, very close-knit community together as one. And Soviet Union really, what changed the direction was Soviet Union invaded in 1979. And they left in 1989. They installed a puppet communist government. There was civil wars from 19. 89 to 1996. That's when the exodus starts to happen. People are getting killed left and right. Not just six, a lot of Afghans also left. Mujahideens uh, were, uh, came over and they were encouraged by US to come over. 
and fight against the Soviets. Taliban eventually prevailed in 1996. Uh, and then with 9-11, 2001, Taliban went away. But what that did was it created a vacuum. And now you have all these cells, different fractions fighting. The central government is very weak. The six are a, 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 um, a we stand out. We are a target uh, from 50,000 to several hundred are left just in Kabul. So what can be done? Number one thing that needs to be done is we all need to first realize that they're not refugees, these six. They are native. They are sons and daughters of Afghanistan's land. They belong there. Uh, yes, it's very difficult time. Uh, perhaps in the short term, they need to be airlifted to, uh, to the North America, Europe, or India. But even if you look at going to India, those who have come to India, eventually they leave to go elsewhere. But the point is, something needs to be done in the short term. I know there are some charities collecting funds, but reality is there is no charity on the ground there. So I would caution people in donating money to charity uh, unless they know that charity is on the ground and they have infrastructure there. What so number so I would suggest inform yourself better. Number two, uh, the sick organizations need to figure out, get serious and figure out a plan, and not just play lip service to political parties, whether it be North America or Europe or India, or in Pakistan also. Need to have, you need to have a sound plan to get them out of there because right now it's not the place. Uh, they're not safe. Uh, uh, and thirdly, don't treat them as refugees. Uh, they actually belong there. I mean, look look at us, the Punjabi Sikhs who who left West Pakistan, West Punjab, Pakistan, and we lost everything. I mean, we've had more. It's been a loss-loss situation for us because it's one thing after another, genocides after genocides. The reason we are able to survive and persevere is because the six are connected with the Shabbat. So first connect with the Shabbat and then formulate a, a plan that works for those political arms of Sikh community and put pressure on the embassies where we have voice in the governments, whether it be the UK, the Canada, India, to have a well thought out plan. That's what needs to be done. Because you're right, these are, even if they're, I'm not just saying this for the Sikhs, but even for the Hindus, the, the, wherever there's persecution, because Gurbani is very clear that the divine light lies in everyone and everything. And we need to be cherishing it. So uh, we need to uh, reflect and we need to come on a community level and a political level uh, to have a well-formulated plan. No, very well said, Prithpal. I appreciate your time today. I appreciate all the research you did for this podcast and informing the listeners on uh, Afghanistan, the Sikh history and you know, how we move forward and what we could do now 
um, and how these are native Afghanis, uh, Afghanis and not just uh, uh, people, not refugees, like you said. So really appreciate your time. I'll just give it back to you for some final thoughts. Um, lastly, I will just say is that there are a lot of Afghan Sikhs outside living in New Delhi, in Canada, especially in Europe. And I would encourage the audience to talk to them. Uh, talk to Afghan Hindus also. Uh, the, the plight is very similar. Uh, uh, reach out to them. I know local, on a local level, we have a family here in Dallas. And I reached out to them last night. And all of a sudden, these, they don't, they're, not, they're not numbers. You, you, when you talk to individuals, it helps them. It helps you understand better. Um, and if you really want to do something, uh, um, you know, there's, uh, there are some efforts being done by Manmeet Singh Pullar Foundation in Canada, at the WSO in Canada. Uh, there's, uh, there's documentaries out there by uh, Prithpal Singh also. It's called the uh, Twitter handle, the Dutsik. Reach out to them. If you, if this really is, it's important to you, they would be able to guide you better. Uh, if you want to know, if you want to know, read more about this, the Dut6, or if you want to watch it, the Dut6 has two documentaries available on YouTube. Just Google Afghan Six and Hindus. If you want to read, I would recommend Afghan Six and Hindus, uh, History of a Thousand Years by Inderjeet Singh. Prithal, it was a pleasure talking to you. I hope to have you on the podcast soon. Thank you for your time. Appreciate all the research you put into this once again. Uh, thank you. Vaigur Ka Khalsa. Thank you for having me, Manpreet. Vaigur Ka Khalsa. Vaigur Ka Fateh. You are listening to SickCast by Sick Research Institute illuminating every path.